from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company, Adam Candy, and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. You made it 5 o'clock on a Friday here on Coalfield and Company. The weekend is here. Adam Candy and Adam Hill with Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. We've got Tracy Murray, UCLA great NBA player, joining us in about a half hour. Talk about what's going on with the Sweet 16 this weekend. Uh, but you know what? The Sweet 16 is going to wait for a second. We got something else to talk about in the Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Adam, we've been talking all day about the NFL draft trades with the 49ers trading not only the number 12 pick uh, this year, but two more first round picks to move up in the NFL draft. Miami is the one giving up their spot at number three. Um, If you were in the 49ers shoes and you were moving up quite clearly to take a quarterback, Adam, uh, who's the quarterback that you look at for Kyle Shanahan and say, that's the best fit man i'm i don't know uh i've been thinking about it i know the you know the hot name today was mac jones in that they fell in love with what they saw at his pro day uh that he was much more agile much more able to throw on the run uh much more athletic but had a bigger arm than they thought and that that kind of precipitated all these moves, but I I also feel like Justin Fields is like that more dynamic guy that maybe that maybe they feel like that's what they want uh, in San Francisco. I don't know. I, I I'm very intrigued by. I was already intrigued by who teams thought was number three in terms of the quarterbacks uh, because I do think Wilson is the clear number two. Um. But now I'm I'm even more intrigued by this because clearly San Francisco thinks there's such a clear number three that they were willing to to move up to try to grab him. And, and again, this is all assumption that they want a quarterback, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Um, this 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 adds a lot of kind of drama to who they believe is that third guy. So you think it's a clear distinction for for Zach Wilson at two between him and whether it's Justin Fields or whoever well, you see next? I'll be. I'll go one step further and say I don't think there's a clear distinction between one and two. Really? Yeah. All right. Okay, so does that mean that you're that big on Zach Wilson? Yeah, only because, listen, I think that there's some flaws certainly in his game, uh, but there always is with with everybody. Um, I would not have I would not have been this high on Wilson before Mahomes. Like, Mahomes has kind of changed a lot. Because I thought, I, I didn't think Pat Mahomes would work to this level in the NFL because he is almost too talented for his own good. And I thought that we'd see some huge numbers from Pat Mahomes, but like a ton of interceptions, a ton of mistakes, a ton of sacks that he ran himself into, and that he would be kind of a, a kind of a mess in that regard. And that he would it would be like one of those, you know, he would be Jameis Winston. You know, 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, but 30 interceptions. And you're like, I don't know how long this could be sustained in the NFL. That's kind of what I thought he would be. And he wasn't. And so he's kind of changed the way you analyze. And if you find a guy that can make those same kind of throws and and has that same kind of arm, 
I think you're more open to guys being, you know, risky and and taking those kind of chances and that it might actually work at the NFL level. And, like, I don't know if you saw today, and trust me, I'm not basing this on one throw, but I don't know if you saw today the throw that everybody was posting on Twitter. And even Trevor Lawrence, like, retweeted, and he was, I can't remember what he said. He was like, whoa, or like some, it's insane that Wilson is, like, rolling to his left, throws back across his body to the right, like, 80 yards perfectly on target. Like, what is that? That's not even human. No, so I mean, that that was the sort of Pat Mahomes arm strength kind of throw that you just don't see, right? And and those th- those show up on tape when you watch Wilson, like on a game to game basis, you see like these insane plays that nobody can make. And if, if you just listen to this whole thing, I'm sure you're like, are you comparing him to Pat Mahomes? No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying Pat Mahomes' success at this level and doing that and making those kind of insane throws that we used to think were very high risk and wouldn't work at the next level. He's shown that it can work. And so while he's not Pat Mahomes, he has some of those same characteristics and traits that you're like, okay, somebody's going to fall in love with this guy and, and they're going to draft him number two. And it looks like he's clearly going to be drafted number two. That's what the reports, whether the Jets do it or trade the pick, it's going to be Wilson at number two. And you understand why. And I wouldn't, I don't think it'd be completely shocking if Wilson was better at the next level than Lawrence is. I think if San Francisco passes on Justin Fields, they're going to live to regret it. Um, If you chalk yourself into Trey Lance based on tools or Mac Jones based on success, then I think you're overthinking it when you look at the total package that Justin Fields can offer to you. If you look at his scouting report from Pro Football Focus, here are the cons that they list for him. They say he only has 54 career tight window completions, that the receivers are all open. Okay, but he also was extremely accurate. He was accurate in hitting those receivers. Uh, They say that his mobility suffers on the move. Well, right, but he has the mobility. And when you hear those things, you think to yourself, where would you pair that skill set? And to me, you pair that skill set really well with Kyle Shanahan. Because if there's anyone in the NFL who is gifted at getting receivers wide open by scheme, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's going to give you those targets and the other piece about the mobility look there is a lot of element of bootleg to that san francisco offense but it's not scramble on the move it's designed on the move and i think that's going to put justin fields in great position to to make the passes i I just don't see adam where this san francisco team is in a position to look that far down the line with a guy like trey lance or to take a guy like Mac Jones, who looks a lot to me like the kind of quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan's been saddled with in the past. Well, Mac Jones is is. Uh, I mean, I was going to say Matt Ryan, but like I don't think he's as talented as Matt Ryan, so I I, I won't say that Agreed. one. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of what a good comparison is. He's he's a pretty standstill guy. Although, like I said, the reason that everybody's freaking out and, and thinking he's moving up is because he looked more mobile than everybody thought during his pro day. Um, I I will say the one thing that makes me think it's possibly Trey Lance, which I don't think it is, but the one possibility here is that if the 49ers are being genuine in in this leaking leaking of this report, that they still want Garoppolo to be the quarterback for this year, that that tells me they're looking at more of a project, which would be Trey Lance. 
a guy that needs a little bit of time to develop and he's not ready to step in and be a starter on day one in the NFL. So maybe that's what they're thinking there. But I also don't believe their report that they're planning on Garoppolo to be the starter. So that would throw that out the window. Yeah, and if you're doing that, you're essentially saying it is Patrick Mahomes where you're keeping Alex Smith, who is Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, yeah. in in place for a year and letting him, uh, letting him develop. But fascinating moves today in the NFL. Number four. Number four. It's Sweet 16 time, everybody. We are playing games right now. Oh, no, we're not. We should be playing games right now, Adam. We should be doing the Sweet 16 right now. But just another one of the COVID effects is that backing up the beginning of the tournament to make sure that nobody was going to have to bow out because of COVID put us into this situation where we're going Saturday, Sunday for the Sweet 16, Monday, Tuesday for the Elite Eight. I will preface the whole thing by saying I'm very happy just to have March Madness period after what happened last year. But now I am going back into my entitled middle-aged white man shell and saying, I want it to be the way I want it, which is packaged together Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the way I enjoy it. I'm kind of having a weird time getting fired up for it the same way with not starting until tomorrow. Am I crazy or are you feeling this too? No, I'm definitely feeling it. And I, it's weird. Like, I just think you're you're so locked in. It's been the, the same way for so long. Like, my whole weekend was off last week. Like, I, I was like, wait, today's Thursday, but it's Friday. It's the Thursday games, but it's Friday. And then Saturday, which usually would have been a, you know, round of 32 day, then became a, you know, the second day of the full schedule. It was so weird. And then this week, you're like, all right, Thursday, let's go. Well, wait, let's what? Do it. Not till... and then, but then I said, oh, so the games don't start till Friday? And then I looked at the schedule and said, wait, it, why are they Saturday? Like, why, why are we doing it even an extra day here? It's so weird. Uh, this is the whiniest thing we've ever talked about because we should just be happy. <laughs> we should just be happy that there's games on. But it, it has thrown me off completely of what, what day is what, how the schedule plays out. I do think it changed things that we had the, the weird Monday of games last week. Like, that was not – that's not normal. Sunday night is the end of the first weekend of the tournament. Why is there games Monday? It was crazy. And by the way, even though they pushed it back a day for protocols, we still lost a team. We still lost freaking VCU. I hear you. And, you know, I got it for the first round because you had to do that to make sure that everybody tested uh, and was able to go in. But I usually look at this round and say to myself, okay, well, you have to manage the travel, right? You got to go home for a while and you get back to the next site. There's no travel. There's no travel. <laughs> no. They're, they're, they're just there. They're just there. They've just been sitting in Indiana waiting to play these games. You easily could have at least started today, at least do some of the weirdness that you did. But now we get a Friday night where I, I don't know. Am I supposed to talk to my family? Am I supposed to like... Am I supposed to interact with other people? I'm supposed to be posted up watching basketball with a fat pizza in my mouth. Well, and the the other part of that, and you mentioned the travel, but, like, these kids are bubbled. Like, why are we making them wait even longer inside a bubble? Like, let, just yes. play the games. Play the damn games. Uh, by the way, just a program oh, before, you go, before you go there. Yes, uh, yes. Go on the company noon on Monday. Noon to ah. four. Ah. leading into the game. So make sure that you adjust your schedules accordingly. And Tuesday, don't forget. Number three. 
Look at that. Look at Adam Hill. Adam Hill is all over it. 12 to 4, like the man said, uh, for Cofield and company. Uh, staying with basketball at number three. Um, one of the saddest developments in college basketball in the last 10 years is, Adam, I know we've been going through quarantines and COVID protocols for a year, but it feels like for the purposes of being able to find the man at any given time, we've been quarantining Gus Johnson for the better part of a decade. Um, we, we essentially took Gus Johnson. We put him over on Fox. Uh, unless you're watching the Big 12 game of the week at 3 p.m. on Saturdays, you generally don't get to see Gus Johnson nearly as much as you used to. And I will say from personal experience, um, when my NAU Lumberjacks went to the big dance back in 1999, 2000, uh, and I was at the game against St. John's in which they had the lead with 30 seconds left as a 15 seed and somehow lost the game. Uh, Gus Johnson was calling that game for CBS. And it was one of the more exciting things about the whole experience was having Gus Johnson call the game. It, it, it was awesome. Um, Gus Johnson is not on the NCAA tournament, but Gus Johnson, as the college basketball announcer of our lifetimes, yes, I said it, uh, is never far from our consciousness. And he was on Chris uh, Chris Long's podcast this week talking about the, the most hungover he's ever been calling a college basketball game. And it was actually in the city of Tucson, the same place where I saw my Lumberjacks against St. John's. Uh, Ari fired up. I was with Raph in Arizona, and we went out to dinner with Lute Olson. We had drinks. We had dinner. We had dessert. <laughs> we had more drinks. And I was all right. Okay. So Gus Johnson is setting up there. that He's out with Bill Raftery and former... Uh, Arizona coach, uh, now deceased, Lute Olson, down in Tucson. Okay. It, it sounds to me like Gus can even set up a dinner in a really cool way in a story. All right. Moving on. What else do we have here? Then Raph brought out something called, and I had never drank it before, port wine. Oh, yeah. That stuff is something I'm not touching. Right. So I drink it. I mean, it tastes like it tastes like Kool-Aid to me, you know. So I drink it. And then Raph keeps, boom, I drink it. He keeps pouring it in. I, it's no big deal. I, okay, whatever. It's a little blip. Boom. Send it in, Gus. <laughs> the port wine. Uh, Adam, uh, Adam, are you a port wine guy? Not necessarily. I've definitely had it. Um, wine is wine is sneaky, though. Like, wine in general is a fairly sneaky thing. Yeah, I mean, wine's got some ninja properties to it, as Gus found out the next day. I got back to the hotel that night and it was like all of a sudden it hit me at one time. Boom, I pass out, I wake up, drink my coffee, I get to the game and I and I say, welcome to Tucson. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you are not in Tucson right now, brother. You are on Pluto, so be cool and let ref talk. Gus Johnson is a damn treasure. And how was, how was, Raph, how was Raph so smooth though? Well, you know what? Bill Raftery has been doing this for years, though, man, right? Like, he like he looks and sounds fairly innocent, and here he is as the port wine god, uh, loading up Gus Johnson for bear. And then I bet Raff was probably going drink for drink with him and showed up the next day like nothing had ever happened because he's the wily vet. Well, that's what it sounds like because he's like, just let Raff talk. So Raff's fine? I bet Raff was. Well, Raff's a larger man. I, I, I met raftery oh my god i was 
I was 16 years old, I believe, uh, at the Maui Invitational. I was there just as a kid, as a fan. Um, and I was at the Maui Invitational. And after the last game, Kentucky against Arizona, everybody's looking around for, uh, for you know, we're all down on the court looking to see if we can get autographs. And because I was destined to be in this job a long time ago, I went and got Bill Raftery's autograph. Um, okay. And I was surprised by how large Bill Raftery was. He was a nice guy. Uh, but Bill Raftery handling the port wine very well. Uh, party on, Bill. Number two. Number two. Party on. Party on. Party on. Party on here in Vegas. Capacity restrictions back up to 50%. It's almost April. And Adam, it's time to bring hundreds of thousands of people to Las Vegas at one time. Right? Don't you think so? No. Shouldn't we do uh, it? No? No. 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 Number, number one. No? No. What are no, you talking about? Oh, oh, well, uh, you do not agree with the folks from the Electric Daisy Carnival, apparently. Well, no, uh, I never have. Well, they have today uh, talked about the fact that they've submitted a plan to the county that has, quote, robust safety protocols, hmm, robust, for having EDC in May. In May. Uh, originally scheduled to push back to October, but they've talked about how that's not really ideal for business. Um, what do you think? Have you, have you been to EDC? Oh my God, no. Are you kidding me? No. It's it's, it's uh, literally just a... I mean, it was a super spreader event before there was even COVID. Like, it's, And it was super It was super spreading many other things that were not COVID. Yeah. It's, it's a Petri dish of just disgustingness. And it like... It really only works as like a jam-packed event. So, no, we, let's not do this. Although, you know what? Go ahead. What, what are we doing? Just what, what, what go out doing? Your, in your... I almost cursed. Go out go, go out to your, your speedway and ruin it for a weekend. I don't know. Go home, take it, get everybody sick that hasn't been vaccinated, whatever. If you have, really have to go to EDC, I'm just very frustrated with that's It's so, it's so ridiculous because as we talked about with the UFC next month, like we're so close. We're so close to being at a point where everybody that wants to get vaccinated can be vaccinated, where where supply outweighs demand, where it's open for everybody. May 1st, we're going to be open for everybody. That means, like, the end of May, beginning of June, like, we can actually go back to doing this, but we have to speed it up and do it two, three weeks too early. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Just wait. I Actually, I'm very frustrated, too, because I was just reading um, – a, a story about I talked about how I went to Mexico a couple times during the pandemic because everything was so orderly nobody was complaining everybody was you know wearing their masks they were social distancing they were doing everything right and it was like a super safe place to go on vacation and I literally was just reading right now that they had to close down a bunch of tourist areas in Mexico because now all the Americans are coming and making it political, like when I was there, it was like Europeans and and Canadians, and now and and people that were local from Mexico that were willing to follow protocols and everything. Now it's all the Americans coming because it's like spring break. They had to close like Chichen Itza. They had to close a bunch of spots because all the Americans are there now, and they're like, "We're gonna wear a mask. We have freedom." Like, could you? Can we just just make it another month and a half, like another two months, whatever it is. Like, we're so close. Like, just please get to the finish line. What are we doing? Why are we rushing this? I want to smash things. Number one. Number one. 
And on that note, I'm going to call an audible on number one. We're going to talk Raiders, but we've talked plenty of Raiders. Uh, you mentioned UFC next month, and the story was making the rounds today on social. I'm sure you saw it about the disclaimer that's out there for tickets oh, uh, for, yes. for the UFC. It, this disclaimer, if you haven't seen it uh, online, please go look it up because you are basically not only signing a standard waiver if you are going to UFC 261, but you are basically saying you are signing up to not not sue the UFC for the largest amount of personal maladies, like liver damage, kidney damage, heart damage, lung damage. Like, if you have to put that much in the disclaimer, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Exactly. Dude, what, what is going on here? So UFC next month, end of April, is going to Jacksonville. Uh, they are selling out the arena. They have said they will not do fans until they can have a full attendance. They are selling out the arena in Jacksonville. In fact, it's already sold out. Uh, about 16,000 tickets at Star Veterans Memorial Arena, which is a lovely arena in just an awful, awful place. Jacksonville is just a, <laughs> a cesspool of awfulness. Um, it's the it's the Bakersfield of Florida. That's saying a lot because most, <laughs> of, Florida, most of Florida is just Bakersfield. Jacksonville is just a disaster. And the UFC is going back there because Jacksonville is allowing them to come because Jacksonville doesn't coronavirus. They've been wiped out by much worse than that for the last 50 years. It's just an, it's wiped out by all the people. I almost called them a word. Uh, all the people that live there, which are just trash. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think they care about coronavirus anymore there. They're allowing the UFC to come. And now the, the UFC is, as you said, putting a disclaimer on the tickets, which all sold out again. Uh, and it's just basically like, hey, you're gonna get, you're gonna get it. <laughs> so uh, you're basically saying you're gonna get it, and somebody's gonna die, but we're not responsible for it. So if you want to go watch, go watch. And again, like the, the UFC, if they told, if you told me they were doing this event at Memorial Day, I would be like, okay. And they are doing a, a second event in Houston around Memorial Day, which is around the right time to to get back into doing events. Um, with you know full capacity, especially you know with people are having you know vaccination records and that sort of thing as a as a proof to buy a ticket, like it's right around the right time. That that would be when to do it. But instead, you got to go a month early and make people fill out all these things. Now, I assume all sporting events in the near future are going to start having things like this. But it's a real like wake up call to anybody that is like, hey, this is over. We can go to a sporting event now. Oh, this is the disclaimer that's on the tickets. Good lord. Yeah, read the disclaimer. Uh, that's that's as much as I can say about that without getting mad and, and, and also wanting to smash things and say bad words on the air. You know, Adam, let's talk about something happier here for a second. We've got one more giveaway on this show, and it is a giveaway that makes me want to resign my position at ESPN so that I'm eligible for the giveaway. <laughs> but I'm not, so it's going to be one of you out there who gets lucky here. Fogo Deschau, Brazilian Steakhouse, has an Easter to-go package serves six people it can be enjoyed uh in the restaurant ordered for pickup delivery from all fogo locations april 3rd or april 4th while supplies last you are going to get two fully cooked fire roasted meats plus brazilian classic sides if you call 364-1100-364-1100 and our caller number 10 right now for our man ari you're going to win that one go get the fogo 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company on your Friday afternoon, Adam Candy, Adam Hill. Uh, heavyweight title fight coming up this weekend in the UFC, Adam. Yeah, Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic. Miocic, it's the hardest name to say ever. Everybody says it differently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's earned the right to have people say his name correctly as the greatest heavyweight champion in UFC history. And yet every single time he steps into the cage, he seems to be an underdog, which is uh, a weird phenomenon that continues to go on. He absolutely dominated Francis Ngannou. He took his spirit out of him when they fought last time in 2018, and yet Francis Ngannou is the favorite in this rematch. Uh, it's the fourth time in five fights that Miocic has been an underdog, which is baffling. Uh, he can set, he has like every heavyweight championship record, but he can break another one for most wins in title fights uh, if he wins tomorrow against Ngannou. Uh, but Ngannou has just been on a tear. It was, it was crazy. After he lost that last fight, uh, he lost his next fight because he was very gun-shy. Didn't want to throw a punch at all in his next fight, and he lost it. But since then, four straight first-round knockouts, four fights. He's been in the cage a total of two minutes and 42 seconds. He is destroying people. And uh, a lot of that has to do with moving to Las Vegas, getting very serious about his training. He was kind of nomadic in his training uh, earlier in his career, just kind of going around and finding places to train and just kind of relying on his punching power to win fights, which he's still doing, but he's a much more well-rounded fighter now. Uh, kind of settled in Las Vegas with uh, Eric Nixick over at Extreme Couture and uh, has really just evolved into uh, a next level of fighter. So he's still got that you know, that fearsome strength and power, uh, but also uh, can do a little bit more. So we'll see if he can clean up his takedown defense a little bit, which really got to him last time. Uh, but this is a very, very intriguing fight over at the Apex. And the final pay-per-view at the apex, by the way, because like we said, the next two pay-per-views are in full houses, uh, one in Jacksonville, one in Houston. The final, obviously COVID-free pay-per-view for the UFC. (laughs) Uh, When we come back, Tracy Murray, UCLA, great, going to talk to us about his Bruins in the Sweet 16. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Steve Cofield out on a birthday celebration here on Cofield and Company. Instead, you've got, as our next guest put it, A-squared, Adam Candy and Adam Hill, joined by Tracy Murray. Find him on Twitter at RealTracyMurray. Uh, Tracy, can I assume that you were already all decked out in your powder blue and gold getting ready for UCLA in the Sweet 16? Absolutely, especially getting on a flight in the morning, heading back to Indiana to call the game. I'm definitely having my my uh, blue and gold on. There you go, man. There you go. I mean, we know you do work with uh, UCLA Radio. Tell us what you have seen in the first two rounds of this tournament for UCLA. What I've seen is the team that everybody was ranting and raving about at the end of the season last year, where the defense turned up, the offense was clicking, they were playing their best basketball going into the Pac-12 tournament last year. This is what I'm seeing right now. They're playing their best basketball right now. 
it just seems like when the when the NCAA tournament started up, it seemed like it was new life, a, a new energy, uh, and, and a new commitment to the defensive end because they've been playing excellent defense, and in turn, they've been getting good offensive looks on the other end. What happened at halftime of the Michigan State game? I mean, that's where things really seem to turn around, right? They hit the three right before the half, and then the second half they turned it around, and they've really just kind of carried that momentum. That's why you don't allow people to hit a shot at the end of the uh, the, <laughs> the half because now momentum goes in and sometimes it changes. And I, it, was, it was like it was right on cue. I said the first five minutes they're going to have to get back in this game, and the first two minutes they were back. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure Mick had a you know a end of the season speech if if you guys don't get it in gear, you know, and guys step their defense and aggression up a notch and and end up beating. Michigan State. So I was very, very wrong about the Pac-12's prospects in the NCAA tournament, and that's not because I haven't watched. I mean, we're here in Las Vegas. I've watched plenty of Pac-12 basketball this year. There have just been some teams, like you just talked about, UCLA kind of turning it up to another level that really have played at a different level here in March. Are you getting what you expected out of the Pac-12 at this time of year, or are you surprised by how well they've played? I think everybody was wrong about the Pac-12. But one thing we didn't understand is east of Colorado, everybody had access to their facilities, their gyms, working out, stuff like that. Out west, everything was shut down. These guys didn't even get a chance to work out in their practice facility or with the coaches or with the weight uh, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, You were just told to work out on your own. So – there's no chemistry. There's there's nothing going on right now in a positive manner as a team. So how are you going to have any type of chemistry at the beginning of the season? So, you know, it, it makes sense that the Pac-12 didn't do well against Power 5 conferences in the preseason when everybody else has been working and the Pac-12 wasn't. So they're peaking at the right time right now because they've been playing – they're, they're, they're playing when everybody else has kind of peaked out. They're peaking over them at the time. So um, nice job by the Pac-12. With with your UCLA team, I, I'm, I know we had a lot of mixed feelings here in Vegas when Mick Cronin got the job uh, in L.A., how, how has he been able to find success this quickly? And does he, does he work as a UCLA guy? Um. It's crazy. I'm I'm kind of under trying to understand myself how they're working, uh, how they're adapting to Mick's style because Mick's a tough coach and he wants tough players. And what he had before was not tough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, other than maybe a Hawkins or a Bernard who who were you know already tough, but the rest of them had to find a way to be tough, and and I, and they bought in. They've been more aggressive. They've been tougher. And it's showing right now in the NCAA tournament. I think another thing is the Pac-12 officials kind of called everything too tight, to, which forces everybody to be soft. And I, I think in the NCAA tournament, the officials, they understand that people want to see teams play. So they let them play a little bit. They let them be aggressive. They're not calling it tight. And, and I think – that's right down UCLA's alley and Mick Cronin's alley. 
Tracy Murray joining us here on Cofield and Company. You can find him on Twitter at Real Tracy Murray's on the UCLA radio call. UCLA has defeated Michigan State, of course, in the first four, BYU and Abilene Christian to get to this point. And um, Tracy, the challenge obviously takes a big step up with this Alabama team. They're great at both ends of the floor. How do you see this matchup coming together? It's going to take UCLA's best effort of the year to beat Alabama. I mean, many experts say Alabama should have been a first seed. So um, just watching them play the last game against Maryland, uh, they beat them pretty easily. Um, They dominated the game. You you have a complete team. You have uh, five guys that can break you down at any time in, in every position. You have long athletic guys that can defend. They offensive rebound extremely well when they're not making their threes. And then guys are lighting it up behind the three-point line. And, and Jalen Shackelford is one of, our, one of our AAU kids. So what he's doing shooting the ball is not surprising me. But what everybody else is doing to join him and help out, um, it's, it's something that uh, is amazing what Alabama is doing. And it's really uh, def- defensively is a big test for the Bruins. So if it'll take UCLA's best effort, what what should we look for to know that UCLA is playing well, that they are at the top of their game early on here? Well, you, you, you get out to a quick start, first of all, because UCLA is not known to get out to quick starts. Uh, when they get out to quick starts, you know they're engaged right out of the locker room. And, and that, that's a sign that the Bruins are here to play and that, that, uh, it might, that Alabama might be in for a tough one. Defense that you've talked about for UCLA was the thing that really jumped out uh, to me over the last couple of games. What is it in particular about what Mick Cronin is doing with these guys that allows them to lock down the way they have, at least in the last couple rounds? Well, you know, you have Bernard and, and Hawkins out there who are great defenders, and you know, and, and, and they're doing their job all the time. But there, there has to have been some type of talk to Tiger Campbell Johnny Juzang, Cody Riley, uh, Singleton, Kyman. You know, these guys are, aren't as strong defensively. So there must have been some type of talk and buy-in and film watching to get them to buy in the, to, to where they're moving like a well-oiled machine now because everybody's defense went up a notch. Tiger Campbell has new energy defensively. He's keeping guys in front of him. He's pressuring uh, point guards. And you have Johnny Juzang, who haven't played D all year, who is now playing great defense. And so, you know, even Kyman has is, is, is deflected some balls and, and, and gotten some stops. So um, when, you, when you have that happening, then, of course, the defense gets a lot better, which also triggers, you know, rebounding and, and maybe transitional buckets. Tracy, we got a lot of a lot of great breakdown on basketball here and uh, very important stuff. But the real important question sounds like you finally got to watch the Raekwon Ghostface uh, versus who won? <laughs> you know what? With with, with the Wu Tang period, you know, uh, I, I was a, I'm a big fan of the whole crew. Um, those two are, are are in my opinion the best out of both of them. They're like peanut butter and jelly together. Um, <laughs> I call it a tie because I, as a fan, I love both of them, and, and I was just in heaven watching them. What a cop out! You can't do that. <laughs> Ray Ray my favorite, but Ghost, but Ghost got hits, man. That's true. It was good. It was good. I'm glad you caught up on that one.
Oh, yeah, I caught go. up this morning. Thank goodness. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I, I saw it on your Twitter, and, and look, I've, I've seen Wu-Tang live myself, but I knew Adam was the guy who had to ask you about that, and I had no doubt Adam was going to ask you about that <laughs> without question, man. Um, let, let's, let's get some quick thoughts from you here, Tracy, if you don't mind, uh, on the NBA and what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers right now. I mean, they're just trying to hold everything together here at the moment with – LeBron and AD out. What do you think they can do to you know try to just keep things afloat until they get those guys back? That's all they can do right now is weather the storm. Um, win the games that they can win. Uh, gain experience on the games that uh, uh, that they're losing to playoff teams and and uh, develop a chip on your shoulder because once you get everybody back, you need to be upset. You need to look at the people that that beat you and say, "All right, here we come." Revenge is, revenge is definitely on the mind. Um, you know, if, if guys are, are keeping, uh, you know, that in mind as they're moving forward um, and learn from the losses, then they'll be all right moving forward when everybody comes back. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a battle uh, for that team for sure. No question about it. Um, Tracy, we, we really appreciate your time today, man. Uh, enjoy the games. Enjoy a uh, – enjoy this run as long as it lasts and we'll see if they can keep it going well thanks a lot guys you guys have a good one appreciate it thanks man right. safe travels to tracy murray's he makes his way to indianapolis uh, of course he with ucla played in both a sweet 16 and an elite eight back in 90 and 92 which i gotta be honest feels way too recent for it to have been as long ago as it was all right grab bag on the other side the Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Adam's Family edition of Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield is out enjoying his 57th birthday. I think that's what Adam Hill told me earlier. Um, so I'll go with that. That sounds good. Uh, Steve, of course, had his birthday yesterday. You've got Adam Candy and Adam Hill today with Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. One more time. Stick the hand in there, Ari. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, Adam, I, I generally find myself um, loving the idea of Easter candy. Um, I... I I have been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, to, to still as an adult receive an Easter basket from time to time. And I'm going to be honest, I enjoy it. It's not so bad. I still enjoy getting my Easter candy. Uh, you sent over a story that um, that horrifies the idea of Easter candy in my mind. All right, listen. Can, 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 I, I, finish? Have, can I finish? No, you can't. Because you can oh. finish. I'm just going to say this. I have not had a soda in a long time. But you I have stories, so but you were going to have to speak for this. Yeah, you're going to do so this. Late. You're doing this. Okay, so here's the headline on the story. Pepsi and Peeps have joined forces to create marshmallow soda. Uh, the subhead is guaranteed to be this spring's most polarizing beverage. And I don't understand how because Pepsi is awful and Peeps are awful. So how could there be anything but a unanimous opinion of this is an awful idea? First, are you anti-soda or you're anti-Pepsi? I'm I'm Team Coke between the two of them, but I also oh. can very honestly tell you I have not had – you just said you haven't had soda in a long time. I have not had a soda in years, um, but yeah. it was pretty clear for me at the time. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I don't like either one of them necessarily. And I've actually tried to go back. I used to drink them all the time, and I tried to go back, and I was like, oh, terrible. I don't enjoy soda at all. But I will try this one for sure. I'll get a. I'll get a twelve pack and throw throw it down. Well, first of all, they're sold. Peeps are peeps are delicious. Peeps. Are you kidding me? Like, if I need to pour sugar down my throat, I've got a bag of it in the cabinet. Otherwise, I can go eat real Easter candy. I can go eat a delicious Cadbury cream egg. I can go eat a Reese's peanut butter egg. I can all do many choices. other things. All but, good choices. But yeah, peeps are the I, best of all of those. Oh, my God. So this, this marshmallow soda is available in seven and a half ounce cans in three packs. Uh, so it actually sounds right sized for you. Uh, yeah, right, seven and a half ounce can. Perfect. You can kind of get in, get out, realize that you've made a mistake, and then give the two other cans to someone unsuspecting who you no, don't like. I will have all three, I'm, but you can't buy them like in a store. You have to like order it. It's a, it's a whole ordeal trying to secure this. Yeah, it's it's a mess. Oh my god, I just got to this part of the story. Fans can enter the sweepstakes. Yeah, the sweepstakes starting uh, Thursday. Oh, you need to put in for the privilege of this. I, I'm entering. Can every okay. since you don't want it, can you enter for me also? Uh, you know what? Uh, sure, sure. Okay, absolutely. You. Go. Thank you. I feel the same way about that as you feel about like EDC. You know what? It's your problem. You want to do that? You go. <laughs> you go. You go. Deal with the health risks. That's your problem. You you deal with it. Uh, I, I I no. I I can't come anywhere near this. Um. All right. How back do, in the back. By the way, how do how do they not call it Peepsy? Because that sounds dis- even more dis- like that's the one way you could make this more it's disgusting. Peep, no, name. no, no, no. Peepsy sounds like something that a guy comes by the uh, the playground in a windowless van to get your kids to drink. It's like, yeah, you know, what Steve used to do when he just used to pull up to the park and watch baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, definitely back in the bag. Now. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, Ari, get your mic ready because we need to talk to you about something here. I was um, ready to uh, chime in on the peeps, but that's no, okay. no, that's I know okay. I already know on. you're going to have a bad opinion on that. You're so wrong, but go to, on. I, I, no, 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 no. Um, you had a shocking opinion earlier when we were talking about Fogo de Chao. Um, you, one of the one of the pickiest eaters on earth, said that you thought Fogo de Chao was bomb. I, I'm, I mean, Adam and I agree with you, but I'm shocked by this. Well, I also got yelled at for the reason behind it. Uh, we right. had we had it delivered for our first Friday lunch here at Lotus Broadcasting back pre-pandemic when that was a thing. Uh, they delivered lunch. They had like a nice spread. All these like skewers because I, I understand that they they do the uh, the carving for you, but you know it was a little bit different. Actually, I do think now that you talk, you asked me earlier, I do think there was also a carving station. But in addition to that, we had different things. Uh, it was a lot of different options and sides and all that, and I loved it. And I still remember yeah. it. That's how good it was. But Adam, the full Adam, experience. Adam, he clearly doesn't understand the idea of sitting down at a table, flipping over a little circle that goes from red to green to say, yes, please walk up to my table and bomb me with meat. I'm not Ryan McKinnell, okay? I, I'll get there one day. No, we, no, well, I mean, dude, that was pretty clear. I don't know, the first day I met both of you, but okay. Uh, like, a- Adam, he doesn't really understand the experience here, does he? Yeah, he do, he's not yeah, actually I, had Fogo. And that's what I'm, no. I'm saying. Like, I get it. I'm saying. But yeah, you know, like, now I'll have to try it out and maybe I'll like it. No, here's the thing. I, I maybe guarantee. Maybe you will. It's amazing. Guarantee he's going to hate it. He's going to go and he's going to <laughs> hate it. He is not going to want these people that close to his food. There's no way. It's true. But no, it's well, we'll see what happens when someone pays for it for me. Wants, sponsored someone. by. 
when someone pays for it for you. Oh, what a sad life you live, sir. You wait for someone else to buy your meat for you. This is Cofield and Company. You got to go get your 21 pounds of meat all by yourself.